What's up, everybody? You're listening to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. I'm thinking I'm back. The podcast is in full swing because baseball season is upon us. The NBA playoffs just begin. The NHL playoffs is right around the corner. We've got the NFL draft next week. But today, we're talking strictly baseball. Baseball needs some loving, too. Because it ain't ever going to get love on national broadcast. The only thing ever talked about on national broadcast about baseball is simply how slow it is. About all the written rules. Baseball never gets the love it deserves. And there's plenty to talk about. We've had storylines that are sweeping the nations through the first two weeks of the season. But today, I'm going to start by talking about the New York Yankees. You know the once storied franchise who wears the pinstripes, who's got no names on the back of their uniforms because they only want you to think about the NY on the front? You can't even grow a goddamn beard if you're a part of the New York Yankees organization because they want you to be a robot. They want you all to look alike. Don't take away from those pinstripes. No one's bigger than the NY on the hat. But you know what? I've had enough. And you should have enough too after what happened yesterday. If you were a Detroit Tigers fan, you probably called out of work. If you have kids, you probably took your kids out of school to take your kid to an afternoon Thursday baseball game to potentially witness history. Miguel Cabrera was going for one of the all-time great milestones and getting his 3,000th hit Arguably one of the best right-handed hitters the game has ever seen was one hit shy of 3,000 yesterday. And Aaron Boone and the New York Yankees robbed you of witnessing history. Those fans that showed up to the Detroit Tigers stadium yesterday, I think it's Comerica Ballpark, they were going to show those ticket stubs for years to come. They were going to tell people for years that they were there the day Miguel Cabrera Collected his 3,000th hit. And when the Yankees were losing late in that game, Miguel Cabrera came to the plate in his final at-bat. And Aaron Boone saw first base open and he said, you know what? I'm going to be the story today. No one's going to be talking about us losing to the Detroit Tigers. A lowly franchise. No, they're not going to talk about that. They're not going to talk about Miguel Cabrera getting his 3,000th hit against us. No. Because first base is open, I'm going to throw up that four to the umpire and tell him to take his base with an intentional walk. The Yankees robbed baseball of a moment. More importantly, robbed those fans of a moment. And I'm here to defend the Detroit Tigers fans. If I was a fan in that stadium, I would have rioted. They had videos yesterday early on in that game of Miguel Cabrera making an out. And I swear every single person in that stadium at the same time either wanted a hot dog, wanted to grab a beer, or had to take a piss. Because everyone was headed to the concourses because they were only there for one reason and one reason only. To witness history. And Aaron Boone decided he wanted to be the story. Disgusting. 
I tweeted out 15 minutes before this even happened that the Yankees are the worst team in baseball, an absolute clown show. And that was me personally taking offense to them not covering against a lowly Detroit Tigers team. And that's my mistake. I bet on the Yankees last week and they couldn't beat the Baltimore Orioles. There was a time when everyone loved the pinstripes and the New York Yankees. They were America's team. Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle. Not today. Not any longer. We should all be disgusted in the New York Yankees on behalf of the Detroit Tiger fans. Because Aaron Boone's the story today, and it could have been Miguel Cabrera, and damn it, Aaron Boone took it from us. So I just want to say, once and for all, fuck the New York Yankees. Now let's talk about our Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers did what they always do this offseason. They signed Frederick Freeman. Freddie Freeman, one of the most consistent hitters in all of baseball. They stole him right out of the roster of the Atlanta Braves, the defending world champs. Atlanta deserves some blame for that. They didn't want to bring him back. They traded for Matt Olson to the Oakland A's. Didn't even tell Freddie about it. And Andrew Friedman and Andrew Friedman, we trust the greatest president of baseball operations who ever lived. Called up Freddie and said, hey, come home, big fella. Play first base every day. Put on that white uniform, red number. The prettiest goddamn uniform you could wear. And come play for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have already the highest of expectations. Adding Freddie Freeman to the mix only heightens those expectations. So when the Dodgers lost two of three in Colorado at Coors Field, I swear three innings, three innings in to opening day, Walker Bueller on the mound, little passing of the torch going on there, starting on opening day. Me and my brother looked at each other when the Dodgers weren't hitting a damn thing early on and said, man, are we going to be able to hit this year? How do we have this good of a lineup? And we're not hitting the ball. Then I blamed Coors Field a little bit. Said, you know what? Coors Field isn't a place to play baseball. No one knows what's going to happen. It's the most unpredictable thing that baseball has to offer. There's a reason why the Rockies are a shitty baseball team every year, but somehow have a 600 winning percentage when they play at Coors Field. So yeah, they lost two of three in Coors. Then they went to Minnesota for a little two-game set. Shitty weather. Baseball shouldn't be played on the East Coast to start the season. How many games have been postponed? I don't know. But enough to make me get mad because I can't bet on a 10 a.m. game because it got pushed back to the day next. But anyways, the Dodgers take two from Minnesota. And our man Clayton Kershaw. The fifth starter for the Los Angeles Dodgers this year. Takes the ball for the first time in 2022 and shoves it. I haven't seen Clayton Kershaw that dominant in years. Listen, Kershaw's been injured over the last couple of years, but there are so many pitchers around baseball who would take Kershaw's off year. Last year, hampered by injuries, 3-5 ERA. Anyone's taken that. Because if you play any fantasy baseball, and you're looking all over the waiver wire, maybe your drafts, you're looking at past statistics for pitchers. Most guys have an ERA over four. 
And Kershaw on a down year has a 3-5. So he goes into Minnesota and he punches out 13 hitters. He's at 80 pitches after seven innings. He's got a perfecto going. Only 23 perfect games in MLB history. But Clayton Kershaw, if you're a Dodgers fan, you know more than any year before. Dodgers probably need Clayton Kershaw this year more than ever. Because if there's one weakness the Dodgers have on their roster, it's starting pitching. They lost Max Scherzer in free agency. Dustin Mays out for most of the year after coming off Tommy John. You got Andrew Heaney in the rotation. No one knew what to expect. He's been a surprise. Now he's on the DL. Who knows what's going to happen there? But Dave Roberts decides to take Clayton Kershaw out when he's at 80 pitches and a perfecto going, and we're all upset. And of course we're upset. Even the fans in Minnesota. I don't know how many fans were there. It looked like three to 5,000. I don't know. They were booing when Clayton Kershaw didn't take the mound in the eighth inning to try to complete a com- perfecto. And as a Dodger fan, as a Clayton Kershaw stan, I was upset in the moment. But like I said at the top, Dodgers have high expectations. We're not Angel fans. We're not thinking we won the World Series because we're at the top of a division two weeks into the season. You got to protect the left arm of Clayton Kershaw. And if that's the Clayton Kershaw we're going to get this year, a healthy Clayton Kershaw looking as dominant as ever, I'll take it. So Kershaw, 13 Ks, no hits, not a base runner. Dodgers take two in Minnesota. Then they finally have their home opener on a Thursday night. I have a bone to pick. I think opening days should always be played during the day. I don't like the nighttime opening days. It just doesn't feel right. But the Dodgers have a four-game set with a red. Sweep it there. Six in a row. Then the Atlanta Braves come to town. Freddie Freeman's old team. In his first at-bat, Freddie Freeman goes yard. A little fuck you to the team that got rid of him. And if you don't think they got rid of him, they clearly got rid of him. Didn't want to bring him back. Dodgers take two out of three against the Atlanta Braves. They finally dropped one after winning seven straight games. All was right in the world. Trey Turner's hitting. Freddie Freeman's hitting. Mookie Betts ain't hitting. I want the Mookie Betts from 2020. Who was making every play in the Dodgers World Series run in the bubble. That's the guy I want to see. I don't think the Dodgers clicked on all cylinders. And in baseball, it's hard for every every single guy to be clicking at the same time. But man, Dodgers won seven straight. And a couple of dudes weren't hitting the ball. This team's capable of reeling off, what's the record? The record might be 23 straight. I think the Indians broke the record that the A's hold. The Moneyball movie was basically based off a 23-game winning streak. The A's didn't win a World Series. But great movie anyways. But all is right with the boys in blue. They got a three-game set this weekend with the San Diego Padres going to Petco Park. That should be a good one. The Padres have been good. They got nine wins, and they sit third place right now in the NL West because the NL West is still the most competitive division in baseball. Let's pivot to the other team in California. We got quite a few. 
But working in Orange County, I have to encounter Angel fans far too often. It's exhausting. Angel fans are by far the most delusional fans that baseball has to offer. And what you're probably asking, what can Angel fans even say to me? You're right. There's not much. Otani pitches every, what, sixth day? He's fantastic. There's no argument there. Otani has been one of the best, most exciting players, if not the most exciting player to watch in baseball. And Mike Trout, until he got injured last year, was hands down the best player in baseball for what feels like the last decade. So yeah, you got two players, but you have nothing to show for it. We all know the Angels haven't made the playoffs since, I think, 2015. Mike Trout's got 11 official at-bats. And since you signed Otani, he hasn't sniffed the playoffs. But let's give credit where credit's due. The Angels, with an 8-5 record, are at the top of the AL West. Round of applause. That's their World Series. That's all the Angel fans have to hang on to. They're at the top of the AL West 13 games into the season. And if you want to talk about another manager who likes to steal the headlines, let me give a little shout-out to Joe Madden. Joe Madden last week, when the Angels played a series in Texas against the Texas Rangers, the bases were loaded. And the Rangers had a 3-2 lead over the Angels. And Joe Madden deciding, you know what? We're not going to face Corey Seager. He put up the four fingers and intentional walk to Corey Seager, allowing a run to score. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm baffled. And the decision didn't work. Angel fans are coming up to me days after and saying, well, it worked. The Angels won the game. They only lost by three. Imagine if they hit a grand slam. It all makes sense. Well, no, it doesn't. It simply did not make sense. Every single run that was on the bases scored, besides Corey Seager. So you ended up being down 6-2. You made an incredible comeback. Joe Madden, after the game at his press conference, said, you know what? I needed to shake things up. I needed to get my team fired up a little bit. Something along those lines. The best part of the video was Mike Trout in the outfield looking somewhat confused, disgusted, I don't know, in his head. There was probably a voice going, what the fuck are we doing? We're already losing this game. Why are we intentionally walking Corey Seager? This isn't Barry Bonds. So Joe Madden's Angels at the top of the AL West. How long will they be there? I don't know. The Oakland A's are right behind them, and they're surprising everyone because they decided to trade every single dude who was relevant on their roster. But Billy Bean and those guys, they find ways to win. So I just wanted to shout out the Angels there just a little bit. The first team to 10 wins, the New York Mets. Another kind of a joke of a franchise Every single year, the national media loves New York teams, so they get on the hype train that the New York Mets are. Yeah, they signed Max Scherzer this offseason. All the posts on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you're on social media, you saw, oh, is this the greatest pitching staff that we've ever seen? Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. Are you kidding me? 
Well, DeGrom's on the DL. Max Scherzer's not, but he did have dead arm at the end of last season. So who knows how that monstrous contract's going to turn out. I guess we'll see. But the Mets, the first team to 10 wins. So their fans have something to cheer about. I love delusional baseball fans. We all know it's a 162-game season where we're going to jump to conclusions as fast as possible. You got the Toronto Blue Jays, one of my favorite non-Dodger teams to watch because they're just sexy, man. I had a tweet at the beginning of the season saying the Toronto Blue Jays are disgusting, filthy, every bad slash good word you could think of. And I even put in the tweet, you know what, in October, this tweet can mean anything. Because there were a couple of articles out there, the Ringers specifically, had all their baseball writers put out their predictions. And I think every single prediction they had on their website had the Toronto Blue Jays versus the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. So even now, I'm saying, hey, I like the Toronto Blue Jays. They're fun to watch because they got Bo Bichette. They got Vladdy Jr. who hit three dongs against the New York Yankees last week. They're just flashy, and that's what I like. But come October, I'll find every little reason to hate that baseball team if they collide with the Dodgers in a potential World Series matchup. So Toronto at the top of the AL East Division, at the top of the AL Central. Can we give a little love to the Cleveland Guardians? That's right. Ever heard of them? Probably not. There's a lot of people that just found out that the Cleveland Indians are no longer called the Indians. They're the Guardians. Switched up a couple letters right there. Smart move by the PR team. Not a lot of work to do with the names. I think they're using the same font. Still ends with the Indians or Dians. AL West, we already talked about it. The Angels at the top. Texas at the bottom, three and nine. They spent a boatload of money this offseason. I think they spent over $250 million bringing in Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, and not a single dude who could probably throw more than five innings. Moving on to the National League. The Mets have the biggest game lead in the division right now over the Atlanta Braves. Four games. Then you got the NL Central, kind of competitive there. The St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers tied at the top. And then, like I said, the NL West is going to be a dogfight through it all. And yes, I must mention that the San Francisco Giants, again, with probably not a lot of dudes you've heard of. 107 wins last year. They made a couple of signings in the offseason, brought us brought over the lefty Carlos Rondon. He shoved in his first couple of starts. Alex Cobb, my precious little guy, came over from the Angels. I call him my precious little guy because in fantasy, I needed to find a diamond in the rough. And I'm a freak. I was reading articles during spring training. Hey, this guy's fastball has jumped from 93 to 97. The Giants have turned some pitchers who weren't really big names into big names. Gosman got a huge deal. He's with the Blue Jays now after last year with the Giants. They still have uh, Logan Webb, who kind of humiliated the Dodgers last year. He seems to be still at the top of his game. So the Giants are going to be there in the end. 
The Rockies, 8-4. We mentioned them. They're going to win at Coors. Who knows if they're going to win outside of Coors. They have an 8-4 record right behind the Dodgers. I don't expect them to be there in the end. And let me give a little shout-out to the Diamondbacks. And my shout-out is simply, I don't know if there's a worse lineup in baseball. I jumped on MLB.tv randomly last week. They were playing the Washington Nationals. Said, hey, let's check out this game. Juan Soto might be up. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Probably one of the most underrated hitters because the Nationals simply aren't a good baseball team. But I tuned into that game and I didn't know a single Arizona Diamondback. Let alone, I don't think a single Arizona Diamondback was hitting over 200. But five wins there. Congrats. Now let's finish this podcast talking about unwritten rules. Because that's what everyone wants to talk about when we're talking about baseball. The unwritten rules of the game. What should we and should we not be pissed off about? Here's one. Shohei Otani this week had a perfect game. I think it was only in the fifth inning. I think we should start talking about perfect games when you're through six innings. But anyways, the Angels had, I think, a 6 nothing lead. Otani was shoving. He ended up with 12 strikeouts, only one hit allowed. But he had a perfect game going in the fifth inning, and a Houston Astros player decided to lay down a bunt to break it up. And the Houston Astros fans were booing their own player because he tried to lay down a bunt against a perfect game going that Otani had. So who should be mad here? I guess if you're at the stadium, you could be a little bit upset if it was the seventh, eighth, not a, you know what? I'm going to say if it was the ninth inning and your team's down six, nothing and a guy bunts, maybe you could be upset because you want to witness a perfect game. Like I said earlier, only 23 in the history of baseball. It's very sacred. I would love to see one. It's on my bucket list to see a perfect game. I probably will never see one because it's that rare. But if I'm at any game, even at Dodger Stadium, and it'll be tough if an opposing pitcher is having a perfect game, Dodgers are down bad, and one of the Dodgers tries to lay down a bunt, in my head I'll think, well, yeah, I, I think we should probably be upset here. But at the same time, As a Dodger fan, as any fan, if you're getting a perfect game thrown against you, that's bad. You don't want that to happen. You don't want your team to get embarrassed. Your team's going down in history as getting the perfecto thrown against them. So I don't know how upset you should be if someone lays down a bunt when there's a perfect game going. And if you're going to be upset, maybe there's two outs in the ninth inning. That's the only exception. And between the lines, these coaches getting upset about bunts, the hell with it. This is Major League Baseball. You're not trying to lay over for a guy who has a perfect game going. You're trying to do anything and everything to get on base. Break that shit up. So fans can be upset, but the managers and players being upset, I don't get it. And Astro fans, come on. Lock in. It's the fifth inning. 
You want your team to lose that bad? Especially in Major League Baseball, when your team's down six, nothing, anything could happen. Especially when you're playing the Angels. You get into that Angels bullpen a little bit better this year. But they're capable of blowing any lead. So the unwritten rules. I, I don't think there should be unwritten rules anymore. Write them down. But the people that are getting upset about unwritten rules are the people who should not be mad about unwritten rules. Even, I think, the second series of the season between the Padres and the Giants, a Giants player laid down a bunt when they were up big against the Padres. Bob Melvin, the Padres manager, loses his shit. It looks like Kapler's going after his guy saying, hey, we don't play that way. But it turns out in the press conference the next day, I actually respected what he said. He said, if you don't want us to bunt, simply defend the bunt. We go back to last year and a couple of times before when guys are swinging 3-0 counts when they're up big. Like, defend yourself, man. It's ridiculous. But baseball needs some love. And the national media is not going to give it to them, so I'm giving it to them. And you know what? All this unwritten rule bullshit... Throwing at each other. There was an incident with the Chicago Cubs and Milwaukee Brewers. Andrew McCutcheon had a badass interview at the end of the game saying, hey, don't throw me a strike and then try to hit me, miss, and then actually hit me the next time. Like, hit me the first time. Don't beat around the bush. Like, I know it's coming. Send it. Don't be a pansy about it. But I like it, man. I like all this stuff going on. Because it starts bench clearing brawls. I love a good chirp from the dugouts. Baseball's got a lot to offer. The losers this week, or to start the season, I'd say Joe Madden, definitely Aaron Boone, Gabe Kapler's a winner. These managers got egos. And they're the last people that should have egos on the field. And who knows who's calling the shots anymore? With all the analytics in the game, who really knows who's calling these shots? But Angel fans, save it with the intentional walk working. And let's see how long you guys are in first place. If there's any bets to make this weekend, don't ask me for them. Baseball's been tough. I like the first team to score bets. Been losing those. I like the no runs in the first inning. Won a couple of those. Lost a couple of them. I don't know where I'm going for my next bet. And the NBA playoffs, if we just want to talk about those a little bit. You got a big injury in the Phoenix Sun series. Devin Booker out two to three weeks. And the Suns were the odds-on favorite to win a championship by all accounts. All the podcasts I'm listening to, Phoenix was the best team all year. But a Devin Booker injury is a tough one to swallow. They'll probably still get past the Pelicans. I don't know. But the NBA, I think they have the biggest issue with injuries. Especially come postseason time. It's brutal to watch. One injury could change the landscape of everything. And it seems... Basketball gets hit the hardest with injuries every single year. Philly's up 3-0 on Toronto. Dallas takes a 2-1 lead against the Utah Jazz without Luka Doncic. The Boston Celtics are up 2-0 against the Brooklyn Nets. That series is going to Brooklyn. Let's see if Brooklyn can make it a, make it a series. 
Minnesota and Memphis, a kind of fun series there. We haven't heard from those two teams in a while. Anthony Edwards is a blast to watch. Carl Anthony Towns seems to crumble in big moments. Memphis has a 2-1 series lead there. Milwaukee-Chicago tied 1-1. I don't think Chicago's going to win that series, but that arena in Chicago's going to be lit because the Bulls haven't been to the playoffs in quite some time. And then Miami's making easy work of the Atlanta Hawks. So that's all I got for the NBA playoffs. We'll see where those series stand next week. But baseball's back, baby, so the 10 After 7 podcast is too. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Woo! Go Dodgers.